Hey there, Mother Makers. Before we begin, just a reminder that your ratings and reviews of the Mother Maker podcast really do help it get seen by more people. If you like what you've been hearing, take a moment, subscribe, rate, and review. I always love and appreciate your feedback and help getting the word out. And now, on with the show. Well, I can tell you one thing I learned being a mother is how to be efficient. You know, whereas before I had the luxury of practicing five or six hours a day when I was preparing for an audition, I just, I just don't have that time anymore. Welcome to Mother Maker, a podcast featuring conversations with artists who are also mothers. This is episode four, and today I'll be sharing my conversation with violist Mary Catherine Stevens Toffin from Quebec City in Quebec, Canada. My name is Emma Coy, and I'm a musician and performance artist in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, where I live with my husband Jason and our three-year-old son Henry. And if you follow Mother Maker on Instagram or Facebook, you may have seen that we are expecting baby number two. Our little girl is due in early August, and so far I'm really grateful to have had a pretty smooth pregnancy. Um, although I'm getting a little bit nervous about labor and delivery right around the corner, um, but we really cannot wait to meet this little girl. If you like what you've been hearing on the Mother Maker podcast, I'd be so grateful if you'd subscribe, rate, and especially review the podcast. It really does help us to get seen, and thank you so much for those who have already done it. Today I'm sharing my conversation with acting principal violist of the Orchestra Symphonique de Québec, which I'm not even going to attempt to pronounce correctly in French. I've known Mary Catherine for a while. She and my husband were colleagues in the New World Symphony, which is a prestigious training academy for aspiring orchestral musicians in Miami, Florida. Training to become a professional classical musician is a lifelong pursuit. Most players start very young and put in countless hours of practicing, sometimes six or eight years of university or conservatory education, and then there's a very competitive audition process. So family life has not always been the norm for professional classical musicians. In fact, it's only been in the last 50 or 60 years that women have even held jobs in professional orchestras. This is one of the reasons I started this project in the first place. In my classical music training, I saw very few female professional role models who also had children. Now, with our generation, it's becoming much more common, thank goodness, and it's become really important to me to share these stories so that the next generation can see that, yes, our art is a really important part of who we are, but it's not everything. The people we surround ourselves with, honoring our instinct to raise kids if that's what we want, in my experience, only makes us better and more efficient artists. In this conversation, we also talked about the differences in government assistance for new parents in Canada versus the US, which I thought was really interesting. And we also talked about Mini Chouette Boutique, which is Mary Catherine's Etsy shop where she sells handmade hair bows for little ones. So I want to hear from you. Are you in an incredibly demanding artistic field and also trying to balance family life? How are you making it work? What are you struggling with? Or maybe you're still in school and trying to decide if having a family is the right decision for you. There are lots of ways that you can get in touch with me and the Mother Maker team. 
You can send me an email at emma at mothermaker.co. We're also on Facebook at Mothermaker Co. and Instagram at Mothermaker. Also, be sure to sign up for our newsletter by going to mothermaker.co and clicking newsletter in the upper right-hand corner. By doing that, you'll receive emails every time a new interview is released, which by the way is every other Friday. If you're a mother artist looking for a community, please join our Facebook group, Mother Maker Artists Raising Humans. This is a lovely community of women all over the world sharing our work each week and just encouraging each other to just keep going. I've made so many friends in this group and it continues to grow and I'd really love to see you there. So now here's my conversation with violist Mary Catherine Stevens Toffin. Thank you for doing this. Thanks for asking. Well, I think it's amazing what you're doing. So that's why I said yes. (laughs) Great. I'm so glad. So tell us about you, where you live, what you do, your work, your family. Um, Well, I live in Quebec City in the province of Quebec in Canada. And I've been here, hmm, when did I move here? 2000, I think nine years ago. I moved directly from Miami to Quebec City, which was, to say the least, a huge culture shock, even for me. (laughs) Even though I am Canadian, yeah, it was that was a big a big change. Where did you grow up? I grew up in Ontario, so just the one province to the west of here, and uh, that's where I'm from. And I went to school in Toronto. I did my undergrad, the Royal Conservatory of Music in Toronto, and then I went to grad school in Boston at New England Conservatory. I did a graduate diploma and a master's of music, and then I went to New World for one year. Oh, you were only there one year? Yeah, I was just about to start my second season. And then I had this audition and I won the job. So I moved like two weeks later and threw myself into <laughs> a new job and learning a new language. <laughs> <Also>. <laughs> That's a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And a totally new climate too, right? From Miami. Yeah, I mean, I still remember I started on Canadian Thanksgiving weekend, which is like the second week of October. And of course, it was still crazy hot in Miami. And I moved here and it snowed. It's like October 12th and it snowed. And I thought, oh my gosh, what have I done? I don't speak French. It's snowing. <laughs> what am I doing here? But it it turned out to be wonderful. And that's where you met Olivier. Yeah, that's where I met my husband a couple of years later. And you have two kids? Yeah, we have Noah, who is four. And Ava is almost two. She'll be two around Christmas. Did you plan that on purpose, their ages and and when you started a family based on your career at all? Yeah, in a way it was. We were planning on waiting a little bit longer because I had sort of heard rumors of like a few auditions that might be happening. And I thought, oh, maybe I should wait. And then we just decided no. We shouldn't wait for things that we have no control over. We're happy here. You know, I have a great job and let's just start our family. So we we went ahead with it and uh, it turned out to be great because some of the auditions I was waiting for never happened. So I can't imagine if I decided to wait, it would have been ridiculous. You know, there's no good time to have a baby. So uh, I mean, no better time than another. Isn't that right? I mean, it's great that you had you had the job when you started having kids. Um, But I always hear people saying that they don't want to start having kids until they have the job. 
And then years and years and years go by and you're 38 or 40 and you still don't have the job. Well, exactly. You just never know what's going to happen. I'm so glad we didn't wait. And, you know, I got pregnant right away. So I was lucky with that. Lucky slash it was a shock. It was like, okay, well, (laughs) here we go. And then my husband lost his job. You know, we both had a steady job. And then, you know, I was still pregnant uh, with Noah. I was about five months pregnant. My husband lost his job. And just it just goes to show you, you know, like it was a good lesson for me because you can't you just can't plan everything. And when it comes to kids, you really can't plan it. You can nothing. <laughs> Absolutely nothing. All of my good intentions always fly right out the window. So. so what did you expect it would be like having a newborn, going back to work, practicing? What did you expect that that would look like while you were pregnant? I really had no clue what I was about to get into because I, I mean, I'm sure I'm one of the very rare cases of this but I had like never changed a diaper I had never even babysat I am talking not a single time so you know babies were sort of like oh look how cute they are they must smell good you know like oh I'm gonna have lots of cuddles and I didn't think it was gonna be easy I was terrified but it was you know even bigger than I ever could have imagined how life changing it was in really an epic way for us. Yeah. Just all of the challenges and all of the happiness. Like I was happy before I had my kids, you know, I was newly married and I had my job that I loved and living in a great city. Things were good. And then I had Noah and I just got that much happier. I mean, I wasn't expecting that. I mean, of course, I knew that we would love him. I never had any doubts about that. And I knew I would love being a mom. I've always wanted to be a mom. But I just wasn't expecting how life-changing everything is, the ups and the downs. So at least there is all that happiness to balance out the harder days. (laughs) It's a joy that you can't really imagine until you have a kid, right? Yeah, I never thought it was going to be easy. I I didn't have any thought that I was just going to continue about my same life and just add in a baby but I I don't know if I didn't take to it well or what but I found it very challenging oh yeah changing to being a mother you know like and I was expecting it to be hard but I was still shocked at how hard it was right you know yeah of course. I don't really know how to explain that but. yeah but you still say you were happy oh yeah yeah so when did you go back to work after you had Noah so I'm in Canada and we are very fortunate here to have paid maternity leave for mostly a year. Wow. Now, I'm not 100% sure how it varies from province to province because each province, you know, takes care of their own parental leave, you know, in terms of what your partner gets or how much leave the partner gets paid or not paid. I, I don't know um, the details of that, but in Quebec, anyways, we have the right to 50 weeks of paid maternity leave, which is amazing. It's not paid at 100%. It's something like um, the mother who is giving birth has the right to, I think, 20 weeks of paid leave. And I think it's about 70% salary. And then there's another 30 weeks that can be either shared between 
you and your partner or one one parent can take all of those weeks and they're paid at about 50%. Wow. What a difference from the US. I knew you had a better system, <laughs> but I didn't realize. Yeah. I didn't realize that. Wow. I mean, it's not perfect and it is still reduced income, but like I have a lot of friends and colleagues in the states and everything when I see people posting about going back to work after 6 or 8 weeks, I cannot imagine. Mm-hmm. I was a wreck. Mm-hmm. Like still six weeks after giving birth. Emotionally and physically. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Both. I was I was in no state to be able to go back to work, especially in a profession like a musician where you have to also not only just be showing up like showered and dressed, but be in shape to play and perform and no way could I have done that. So anyways, I went back to work sort of very gradually. I did work a little bit during the year because, I mean, not going to work for a year is not also really possible either. I mean, as you know, we have to continue to play and practice and can't just can't just stop playing my instrument for a year. I mean, (laughs) that would be also crazy. Um, But it was really hard. I think that was one of the things that I found the hardest. I was not able to practice at all it wasn't the same with Ava it was just Noah I don't know what his deal was but every time I would try and play at home he would burst into tears and Emma I mean like you know one of those baby crying fits where they're just it's like the saddest face they are so sad and just tears were streaming down his face what is wrong and I just couldn't I just couldn't bring myself to do it I don't want to say I barely played for a year, but almost. I had, like, luckily here is another thing. I mean, my employer is extremely flexible about when I'm on maternity leave, if I want to work or I don't work. I just let them know if I want to come in for a week or not. Yeah. So I just did about, I think, nine or ten weeks of work during the year. And I I didn't do that all at once. I did, like, three-week chunks or something. And so I would go and start trying to get back in shape like in the evening or something when my husband was home I would go into work and practice at the hall because playing at home was just not it was just just not possible so did you have help with childcare, or because Olivier had lost his job was he home so you could go in yeah I mean Noah was born at the beginning of September and I think Olivier had a new job he started in November so he was home for two months Mm mm-hmm but um, there is also five weeks of paid leave for your partner after having a baby as well. So he would have been home anyways, but he, he was home a few extra weeks and then he went back to work. Yeah, we don't have any family here in Quebec. My sister is the closest and she lives about five hours away. Olivier's entire family lives in France and my parents live you know, about a 10 to 12 hour drive from here. So not close. Yeah. We had visitors, of course. My sister came and my, my mom came for a few weeks. And then Olivier's parents came. I guess Noah was about six months old and they came for about three weeks. But yeah, it was a lot of alone time, me and <laughs> Noah. <laughs> so the thing about a musician's schedule is you work in the evenings on the weekends and you work in the afternoons and sometimes the evenings during the week. Yeah. For for us it's so hard to find the right 
childcare situation because, you know, daycares are open Monday through Friday from six to six, right? So what did you decide to do as far as childcare when you finally did go back to work? So um, we started Noah in a daycare when he was about 11 months old, about a month before I started um, working back full time, mm-hmm. which I mean, full time, I don't work 40 hours a week either, you know, yeah. so yeah. there is that that I love about my job as well. <laughs> it was, um, we found him an in-home daycare and then it, it was hard. It was really hard to leave him. Mm. I can't even imagine if I had had to put him in daycare if he was six weeks or eight weeks old. I mean, I couldn't barely get through it when he was 11 months old we had just spent you know pretty much every every minute together for almost a whole year and then leaving him there and having him crying and the worst was when I would pick him up at the end of the day that he would also burst into tears and you know that just broke my heart even even more and it's been uh that 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 first daycare um that we had we thought was good, but then it turned out um, to really be a bad situation. And I am still really traumatized about what happened. We got a call from the police one day and said the daycare was closed and we weren't to go back. Wow. And like, I was just so shocked and was already having a hard time. Like, Every parent knows it's hard to leave your kid with someone else, even if you feel like you really trust them. Right. But after that, it was, let's just say, I really had a hard time. Yeah. You know? Yeah, of course. Because it turned out he wasn't, he he was okay, but it wasn't a safe situation for him to be in. I mean, when the police are involved, it's obviously, (laughs) obviously not good. So then we had to find him another daycare and, luckily for me it was um we got a call it was just after Christmas and my orchestra never usually works in January so I had a month off which was good because there was no way in the world I was gonna leave him with anybody after that and uh so it gave us time to find a new daycare but we did have to because I I had to go back to work a month later and we you know it's not like I could call up my mom or my mother-in-law to watch him for four hours while I went to rehearsal. Just, you know, we had to find somebody. So we interrogated them and (laughs) (laughs) decided it would be okay. And it was. Oh man, that sounds really, really rough. I mean, it's so hard to drop them off in the first place and then to find out that it wasn't safe. Interestingly enough, I had that when I was a little kid. Oh, My mom was taking me to a, an in-home daycare. Uh, I was like a toddler. I was like one or two. And she noticed that every time she came to pick me up, whether it was two o'clock or four o'clock, I was already in my winter coat standing at the door. Oh my gosh. And I remember that place. And we were always just in the basement. Like they would put us in the basement to play. Oh. Like a, a basement. Like, not a toy room, a, like an actual basement. Um, and I just remember the woman, Marge, she was really mean. And the same thing, like, one of the neighbors had her kids there and called my mom one day because um, she had an older daughter there. 
And the older daughter started telling her what was happening and that it was not a safe place. Um, And yeah, the place got shut down. My mom got a call. And then from then on, I just went to work with my mom. Oh, wow. Yeah. I remember just like sitting under the table in her office coloring all day long. (laughs) You must have been a really good kid. (laughs) I guess. I can't imagine like bringing Henry anywhere right now. Yeah, yeah, so that happens. It's scary. Um, but as far as long-term effects, I don't think there were any on me. No. <laughs> you know? But yeah, it's super terrifying. I guess she ended up, it turned out she had, she was watching like 16 kids in her house and it max you can watch is eight and that her husband was abusive. It was a bad situation. Um, scary yeah, stuff. It is scary because kids are so vulnerable and they can't, do anything you know they're just the most vulnerable yeah yeah you know they're ba- they're babies yes they're babies I'm glad you were able to find a better situation now me too me too and then uh yeah and then when Noah ended up changing again because we got a call from a daycare that's really close to my work and it was a bit of a bigger center and rules set in place by the government and followed along so I was really happy about that the first place was like an in-home daycare and that was just it's funny because in the first I felt much better about that I didn't want him going to a bigger place I thought oh an an in-home daycare would be much better more caring less kids and then no so for my second Ava luckily because Noah was already going there. She had priority on the waiting list and had her spot. And we never had to, never had to worry about it, except uh, it's only from 18 months and older. Okay. And I was going back to work when Ava was 14 months old or just about because we still had, she's born at Christmas. So we still had a break. I had a little bit of extra time. So it was kind of the same problem what do I do with Ava? Because that was it. I wasn't going to just leave her with anybody. And so the amazing thing was we asked my sister if she would consider moving in with us for a a few months. And she did. And she came here. Yeah. Because it was, you know, a musician's schedule is very, you know, erratic to say the least. Mm -hmm. And I really only had about four months of work and then I was on a break again, and then I knew that Ava was going to have her place with Noah at the same daycare. And uh, so we're very indebted to my sister coming to live with us and just, you know, helping out when I had to go to rehearsal. And yeah, it was amazing for me knowing that Ava was just safe at home and with a family member who loves her. And that was... Yes. I think it's an interesting time we live in because... We've become so spread out from our families. Yeah. I mean, so many people just don't live close to grandparents anymore, yeah. at least in my social circles. Mm-hmm. And we, you know, that's the hardest thing. Henry, we're lucky in Milwaukee that you can start kids in public school, Montessori public schools at 3K. Okay. Um, But that's not true everywhere. So it's like by when we get to three, then we can send him somewhere without okay. without huge tuition. Um, in most cases, it's actually free. But until then, it's such an expense to send him to daycare, right? Yeah. And I just often wonder what people do with 
without the means to do that, you know? I I don't know. I just don't understand. I don't know. And that's another thing we're very lucky in Quebec is that daycare is also subsidized by the government. Oh. So even if you're in a private daycare that is quite expensive, say, I don't know, like $1,000 a month or something, um, which I know is not even expensive for some places, it's double that in Toronto, you do get uh, money back from the government to cover about half of it based on your family income and whatever. And now the daycare that my kids are in is fully subsidized by the government. Everyone pays a little bit extra at when you do your taxes based on your family income, but it's like $8 a day for the daycare, mm. which is incredible. You know, it is incredible. And then at the end of the year, you know, whatever your family income is, there's a, a scale and you, you you maybe pay a little bit extra but it's because I don't know what we would do either like right I don't have I have a steady job but I don't have some kind of crazy fancy job you know like somebody has to quit their job yeah you know and that's what so many people do yeah yeah you have to quit your job and it shouldn't be like that no no and I wouldn't I don't think I, I couldn't quit my job I've worked my entire life to be a musician and I love it and I mean you know you, you don't just get an orchestra job like that you hold on to it you hold on to it when you get it so yeah. that wasn't really an option either Mm-mm. but yeah. so speaking of that you just won an audition oh uh, yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah so so how did that go so a position opened up in your orchestra yeah it's it's temporary it's an interim position so it was an internal it was an internal audition and i decided to apply for it and la voila <laughs> i'm acting i'm acting principal of the viola section congratulations thanks i don't know how long it's going to be uh, i don't know anything about how long it's going to be for but this this season anyways mhm yeah Amazing. Yeah, I'm excited about it. So how did you do it? <laughs> how did you prepare for that with two little kids at well, home? Well, I can tell you one thing I learned being a mother is how to be efficient. You know, whereas before I had the luxury of practicing five or six hours a day when I was preparing for an audition, I just I just don't have that time anymore. You know, no matter how much I want to, I, I don't have that much time. So I had to learn how to waste no time when I'm practicing. And just really get to the point. And because, uh, you know, I mean, you know, with Henry, the days are long. And I'm exhausted at the end of the day. Like, you know, Noah wakes up at 6, maybe 6.30 if I'm lucky. And it's, you know, he's just full energy from, he's the only morning person in our family. And my daughter is totally not like that at all. She's all like groggy and like, oh, when she wakes up in her bed, <laughs> he is at a thousand percent from the second he opens his eyes. And he's always, he's always been like that. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I'm used to it now, but yeah. Anyways, and just from my husband's schedule, which is also um, quite erratic. It's funny. He also got a promotion but the very same day I had my audition, he started his new job. So we were both, um, let's just say our stress level was a little bit elevated for a few weeks. Yeah. And uh, he's been working in sales. 
um, since I've met him. So his schedule is also erratic. Lots of weekends, lots of evenings, and longer hours, much longer hours than I work. So dropping off the kids to daycare, picking them up at the end of the day, it's me. It's me every single day. There's no day that it works for him to, to do that. Yeah, it's hard to fit in the time to practice, especially when we also can't, you know, I can't play for eight hours in a day. So if I have five hours of rehearsal with my job, I mean, maybe I do an hour extra from that, which means I have a full day from, we work from 9.30 to 4. So then I pick up the kids, get home, bedtime. And by the time they're actually asleep in bed, everything's done, it's 8 o'clock. And then I'm going, I would go back to work. Uh-huh, Okay. And, you know, by that time, I'd had about a four-hour break from playing, so I could maybe do an hour or two. And then, so I did that. And then on my days off, I just practiced during the day and didn't do it at night. Every waking moment. Yeah. You kind of have to tell yourself, like, okay, so this is a a season where I'm going to be sacrificing a little bit more of my uh, rest. (laughs) Yeah. Right? And other things. I mean... To say our house has been disorganized for the last two months is an understatement. I mean, it's just, <laughs> I feel like we're just, you know, putting out one fire at a time and, and that's it. And I, that kind of thing I had to learn to just let go, be like, okay, if there's a pile of laundry, well, it's just, it's going to sit there. Yeah. Yeah. So when you say you have to be more efficient with your practicing, would you mind like, giving like a couple of tips for really getting stuff done when you have 30 minutes to work or an hour to work? Yeah, sure. I guess it's different depending if I'm preparing for work or preparing for an audition, let's say. Let's say an audition because that's that's kind of an extra thing that you have to add on. And for me, can't the preparation can't be compromised even though I have less time. Yeah. I guess I always sort of start a practice session with a plan in my head before I start like okay what do I really need to work on I have an hour and a half what what's my biggest problem area what do I need to do the most what problem do I have to solve and I just focus on that one thing instead of looking at say looking at the audition list as a whole and being like ooh, I try to isolate something and then I still try to cover everything if I have a longer practice session, but if I had like a half an hour to work, I would just pick one or two things that I wanted to work on and try and get them as solid as I can and then just move on mm-hmm. and um, try not to get overwhelmed with the bigger picture to focus on a smaller step by step kind of thing. And also trust myself that I will get to everything and that if I don't have the time to run the list every day or play everything every day I try not to worry about it because I know the next time I practice I'll do those other things that I didn't do the first time and you know it just has to be enough (laughs) (laughs) and apparently it was (laughs) yeah yeah I was I was really prepared and really in good shape for this audition so that was great I mean maybe I'm crazy I actually love preparing for auditions I love being an orchestral musician. I love practicing excerpts, as weird as dorky as that sounds. And having an audition to prepare for is really a good motivator and a good goal. 
mm-hmm. because I mean, I, I, I am, I'm exhausted by seven o'clock. I just want to sit and do nothing and not go back to work at night and practice. And having a goal like that is my best motivator, I guess. Yeah. 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 I agree with that. Um, but it's still hard, man. <laughs> it's still really hard. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's still really hard. Um, but uh, it helps. It helps me to be motivated. Having some kind of extra project from work is a good a good motivator. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So do you want to talk about the bow business? <laughs> sure. Okay. So how did this, how did this start? Um, well, it started because I had a baby girl. Uh-huh. And <laughs> I started, you know, seeing photos on Facebook and whatever about bows. And I thought, oh my God, those are so cute. <laughs> and I, I can't remember exactly how I, Oh, yeah, I think it was from someone I'm following on Instagram. Her daughter was always wearing bows, and I asked her about them. And then I found out there was a bow subscription service, and I thought, oh, wow, that's cool. So I signed up for that and was having fun getting a little package every month of something completely frivolous and girly. Yeah. And then my husband was sort of like, you know, why don't you make these? I know you know how to sew. We have a sewing machine, like like oh no I don't you know I don't know but then I started thinking about it and um my sister and I had been also talking about dreaming up some kind of like online store that we could run so then I just started trying to make some bows and turned out they looked pretty good and I thought okay well maybe like let's give this a try and um I had been using my grandmother's sewing machine which is probably like I don't even know how old it is 40 or 50 years old maybe uh-huh. anyways so my husband was like okay why don't if you want to try this like why don't we get you a sewing machine and you know so I just thought well why not give it a give it a try was and and I was also on maternity leave when I started I started it almost a year ago so I was about to be going back to work but I had you know still about two months left before um, I was going to be starting back with the orchestra and I I kind of liked it as a project because I, well, I like making stuff. I don't know. Well, you know, you're very crafty yourself. (laughs) So I I like making stuff. I like baking. I like, I've always, you know, just like making stuff. I don't know how else to explain it. It's like so rewarding to, you know, you see like, oh, my potholders are really oily stained just just go make yourself some new potholders no big deal and it's really rewarding to like see the end product and know that you made that and it's one of a kind right yeah yeah Yeah. so I like creating stuff like that as a side just as a hobby Mm -hmm. you know apart from music just doing stuff for fun and so I thought oh well we'll give it a try and I said all right I'll commit to doing it for a year to really give it a chance to see how it goes and it's been okay I was expecting I don't know I was expecting more from it I guess (laughs) (laughs) but a little hard going sometimes I mean but that's I'm also kind of like immersed in this bow world which is a whole other it's a world it is yeah Emma it is a world and (laughs) So I'm in all these Facebook groups and 
about bows and I'm in a bow makers Facebook group and just like Facebook groups related to a shop us another small shop and it's just like but it's actually a really great community of women yeah and everybody it's more like a mom's Facebook group but we all just are also obsessed with hair bows mm-hmm. which is funny but mm-hmm. it you know kind of ties everyone together and then you find other ways to connect also about just mom stuff and um you know there's this uh short form nbr and most posts start with that it's not bow related (laughs) i mean you know 98 percent of the posts are nbr and so it's a nice way to connect with other moms too yeah yeah which is how i got really into it and it was fun and it was nice having that sort of community even those people that i don't actually know Mm -hmm. because i didn't have that with noah Mm-hmm. I felt very alone a lot of the time and very isolated, especially here. The winter is so long and I had, like I said, Noah was born at the beginning of September and I felt like I had a long recovery from my delivery. And by the time I started to feel a little bit more normal and back to myself, winter was starting and it just doesn't ever end here. Well, you know, I mean, it snows in May sometimes, like it, 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 it's just, it's really long. And that was also what got me hooked into bows, I guess, because it was nice. I felt like I had other people to talk to, even if it was just online. And uh, yeah, so I started Mini Schwet. We got the name because my husband uh, calls Ava Petit Schwet, which means like baby owl. That's her, what's one of her little nicknames or Mashwet, my my baby owl, which is so, so cute. <laughs> yeah. The the French have all of these little nicknames for children and they're just all so adorable and sound crazy in English. <laughs> like like Mon Petit Chou, my little cabbage. Like you know, you don't need <laughs> it sounds crazy in English, but somehow it works in, in French. So um we decided to call uh the business mini Chouette. And um, it's been fun because I get to make bows for Ava and I like that I'm making it for her. I like that it's something that I do for her and for myself at the same time because I'm getting to create something. And it's, you know, it's also for her and I, she loves them actually, which is also great. And uh, the other side of it is sort of the, the visual aspect of the shop, I also enjoy because I have to, well, I have the Etsy shop and I need photographs for that. I need product photos and for my Instagram feed also, which I've been managing. And I like, I like doing that. I like taking the photos and setting it up. And um, that was a big learning curve for me too, just finding the right way to do it. So it's, it's fun. It's a great creative let's just say hobby for me because it's not some kind of roaring business success, but um, <laughs> it, it's fun. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Yeah. I know what you mean. It's when I started mother maker, I knew that it was going to be really hard to get the word out about it, but it's really hard to get anybody to yeah. notice it. You know what I mean? And yeah. we've built a community, which is amazing. Um, and it just, it's just like, okay, it's growing a little tiny bit 
every month and that's all we need, yeah. right? And you just keep going and maybe in 10 years we'll be really big. <laughs> we have to figure out who, who needs to hear about it to make it really grow because I think it's so inspiring. All of the interviews you've done, I've loved all of them. And it's like, okay, there's oh, there's other artists out there and musicians and moms that are, you know, trying to squeeze in half an hour of work around their yes. baby's nap or yes. whatever. Yeah. Well, it's the same thing that you're talking about. Like I needed that community to say like, your identity is not gone. This is just a time of life where you're devoted to someone else and that's okay, you know? Yeah. And that you can keep going. You don't have to give it up, right? Yeah, exactly. You can keep going and even add in something else <laughs> on the side. <laughs> even like start a, a boat business. Person. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, exactly. I. <laughs> that's exactly right. Like I felt like I had all this nap time to work with when I started this thing. And now Henry really needs my attention all the time. Like, yeah. And if I put the computer on or start working at the computer, he needs to be on it too. You right. Know, like he needs to be watching stupid YouTube videos or something that I can't stand. <laughs> <laughs> so now it's like, okay, I have this one day a week when he's in daycare that I can work on this thing, but we're going to make it happen. Yeah. I really hope you keep with it because I really look forward to the interviews and every time there's something posted. And, oh, thank you. But yeah, nap time working is, it's just like that myth, like sleep when the baby sleeps. Like, well, what if you want to like take a shower? Or, you know, eat something without a little hand, like, pawing at you <laughs> or whatever. And, oh, man, Noah was a terrible sleeper. Emma, at one point, I kid you not, he was having five naps a day because he would only nap for 20 minutes Aww. at a time. <laughs> I could not leave the house. Yeah. And then he would be so tired and legitimately need to sleep again. And he was just, Wow. He sort of started sleeping, you know, through the night in big, huge quotation marks when he was about nine months old, which I thought was pretty good. But then his naps were still just absolute garbage. But uh, it was all easier with Eva for me. I don't know whether it was because I was more experienced. Probably I'm sure that helped more experienced, a bit more relaxed, but she was a much easier baby. She slept. She had two-hour naps twice a day sometimes. And I could, you know, put my mute on and go in the other room and practice and practice for two hours while she slept. It was completely different a year off with her. I didn't really ever get out of shape. I had a big uh, chamber music project. It was part of a chamber music festival when she was six months old. Mm-hmm. And that was, I'm not really sure how I did that because, you know, I was still breastfeeding her and then I would like go to these rehearsals and pump during my 20 minute break and then go right back. And it was insane. It was insane. We did the three concerts in three days. Wow. Full programs of chamber music. And anyways. You made it. <laughs> I, I made it. <laughs> but that's just to say that each kid is different and yeah it, it's not the same but she didn't you know she was great at naps but nighttime she was up two or three times a night until she was like 16 months old so we're 
we're still tired. Trucking along. Yeah. Oh, man. Well, they say it always gets better, right? Yeah. So let's just finish up with what advice do you have for other mother makers? Don't put off creating and what fuels you as an artist because you think you don't have time to do it because I think it's so easy to put ourselves last when we become a mom you know and I mean rightly so I mean babies need us you know they do they they're completely vulnerable and completely dependent on us but if we don't also take care of ourselves we can't take care of our family as well and that includes what gives us joy in our lives besides our children mm-hmm. it was good for me to start the bow thing because then when you know my kids went to bed or sleep and then I could do a little project while I was at home at night you know where I wouldn't be doing anything else anyways but instead of just being in some trance on Facebook or whatever something that doesn't really give back to me I could go and do a little creative project on the side and uh, get something that gives me energy back. Mm -hmm. Or at least just clear your head. Yeah. Think of something else. uh, Focus on a different project. Just if you think you don't have a lot of time, some time is better than nothing. Even 20 minutes of practicing when you can is great just to keep things going. But that said, I think it's also important to know when you need time off or to take a break and to say, okay, this is really hard right now. I'm exhausted. I haven't showered in four or five days. I like am eating with a child on my lap all the time. Like I need time to just take care of myself. And if that means taking a break from your art or whatever, just do it because it'll be there when we are ready also. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of pressure especially, well, I don't know what it's like to be like a visual artist or anything like that. But as a musician, especially if you're freelancing or doing things like that, there's always there's this pressure to never say no to a gig or never stop. And the thing is, we are more than just our music. We're more than just a mom. That was one thing that was I struggled with. Like you said, we kind of lose our identity for a while. And just knowing that it's okay to say no and just be yourself, be your person. And those other things are just a part of the whole, which I think it's just so, 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 so easy to lose sight of that because, you know, you have to be very driven and motivated and almost obsessed with your art or your music or whatever to make it in this field. You just have to always constantly be working and pushing and taking on another project and challenging yourself. Otherwise, we don't advance. It's it's hard to find the balance between that side of it and knowing, well, I have something else on my plate right now, like a young child, a baby or two or three or whatever, and having the confidence to say it's going to be there when I get back. And if the exact same project or gig or whatever isn't available, that there will be something else that we can find a way to to do what we love and take care of our family at the same time, even though it seems impossible some days. (laughs) Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. 
So that's it for this episode of the Mother Maker Podcast. We do publish all of our interviews in text form as well, so to read Mary Catherine's interview or to send it to a friend, visit mothermaker.co slash mary-catherine-stevens-toffin. Catherine is spelled K-A-T-H-R-Y-N, and Toffin is T-O-F-F-I-N. You'll also find photographs of Mary Catherine and her family, as well as links to Mini Chouette Boutique and the Orchestra Symphonique de Québec. While you're there, don't forget to sign up for our newsletter or send me an email with your feedback. You can always connect with me on Instagram and Facebook as well. This podcast is produced and edited by me, Emma Coy. Our web designer and developer is my husband, Jason Coy, and our text editor is my dear friend, Alyssa Zimmerman Exley, a new mom herself. Our music is from David Hillowitz, and our logo was designed by Matthew Fleming. Until next time, keep making work, mother makers. Thanks for listening. Out came the sun and the air dry the mother and the yes, 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 yes,